Person of Interest Podcast, episode number 20, Carter Incognita. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Person of Interest Podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to Person of Interest on CBS. I'm Daryl, and am I hallucinating, or is Doug back this week? Hey, and I'm Doug! Or am I? (laughs) We're glad to have you with us, or... I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Uh, as we cover Person of Interest for Season 4, Episode 20, which originally aired April 14th, 2015, entitled Terra Incognita. Now, last week, you know, I had written up some of this, uh, some of the show notes here, mm-hmm. and then I was listening to you guys last week in the recording of it, and Karen stole a little of my thunder here with um, the definition of Terra Incognita, or as I understand it from Wikipedia, which is the source of all knowledge, oh, yeah. uh, it's incognita, which if you're speaking Latin, but in English, it's incognita. There you are. And it generally means unknown land, as she said. Uh, terra meaning land and incognita named unknown, you know. But anyway, uh, and it was used uh, on maps for regions that hadn't been mapped or documented. Uh, some, t- some people think that... Uh, People would uh, the, the map makers would write here be dragons and mm-hmm. no uh, that, that apparently according to Wikipedia that was like once one place at one time but that that, that they don't really do that sometimes it was here be lions so there you go mm. in the middle of Africa or something or tigers or bears oh my and <laughs> the what I liked about that is I'm trying to think how does this apply to this particular episode so I thought of a couple of things here number one uh, John at one point we see him. You know, turning down and following uh, Chase down the uh, little path in the woods, the road in the woods, and mm-hmm. he's kind of out of sight of the machine. It's, you know, the unknown land to the machine. You can't see right. him there. That's number right. one. Number two, he kind of slips into a mental state that uh, that is an unknown territory for him. You know, it's something that he has never been in before, necessarily. Right, okay. And then the whole episode is one of the most unusual ones of the entire series. Uh, mm-hmm. No intro, flashbacks. Machine point of view, we'll get into a little bit more of that, but it was like unknown territory in terms of the layout of the episode. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, was, uh, that was very cool. Multiple, yeah. multiple definitions there. It reminded me a little bit of a, an episode of Falling Skies from, I think it was two seasons ago now, where uh, Noel Wiley's character is, is in a hallucinogenic state for a different, different reason than, than John found himself in one here, but it allows you to tell a story in a, in a different way. And, and that storytelling was, was again, different from what we had here. But like I said, just the vehicle of, of using a character who is not in their full mind to be able to tell a story that you wouldn't otherwise be able to tell is really nice. I, those are nice. I generally like those as, as a, just a break in the in the normal course of things, and as a, a unique brand of storytelling, at least in, unique in terms of what we've gotten on that specific show before. And uh, once again, I liked this, and of course, we'll give our ratings here in just a moment. But uh, 
Good analysis, Doug. I like that. I like you longer much. You started out with your A game. I, I don't know if we can top that. We might have <laughs> Thank peaked you for too listening. early. Yeah, we might have peaked too early. Just tune out now. It'll be, have been a great podcast for you. <laughs> well, as we say every week, uh, this is a listener-supported podcast at Golden Spiral Media. We asked you guys in February and March to first nominate us for podcast awards and then go over there for like three weeks straight and vote for us for podcast awards. Well, I just returned from Vegas late last night where on Tuesday of this week, right as Person of Interest was airing, in fact, the podcast awards were being held and we didn't win anything. We we, we struck out. Yeah, <laughs> we struck out on all three of our categories. But honestly, from the from the most sincere place of my heart, uh, and I know I represent uh, all of us at Golden Spiral Media when I say thank you for your support. Thank you for nominating us. Thank you for voting for us. And just thank you for being a great part of this community. You guys are so important to what we do. Each of you as individual listeners, and we love you, and we thank you for that. So anyway, we'll go after them next time, but uh, thank you for all of your support so far. Well, this episode was written by Eric Mountain and Melissa Scrivener-Love. They did a great job with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director was Alric Riley. He did a fantastic job as well. It was um, it, it had me fooled for a long time, and I'm, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm rather easy to fool, but uh, it, uh, it, did, it did it to me. So did you get – did you – have any idea what was going on? Well, I knew that the fact that he kept touching the climate control in the car was a big time clue, mm-hmm. but I couldn't figure out what to do with it. It was very Nolan esque. I know this is Jonah Nolan that runs this show, but those Nolan boys, they are good with playing mind games with you. And uh, so, to to answer your question, though, no, I did I didn't really figure it out until it was it was revealed. I mean, I could I knew there was information I was supposed to do something with, but I couldn't put the pieces together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's me. That's me to a T, I tell you. <laughs> All righty. Well, the ratings are not what I was hoping for, frankly. Uh, you know, we had the return of Taraji P. Henson as mm-hmm. Detective Carter, but it didn't seem to, we didn't seem to get the, the boost that I think they were hoping for. Uh, Person of Interest scored a 1.5 rating, which was a three-way tie for fifth. Now, normally, you know, it's third or fourth. The Voice, NCIS, and NCIS New Orleans are usually the top three. So we're fourth or so. We were in a three-way tie for fifth. Some of the um, a- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, on this particular Tuesday night actually did better than it usually does. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's why we wound up there. And a 1.5, yeah, it's okay. Uh, 9.21 million viewers. That was fourth for the night again. Voice, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans. So that was pretty pretty standard. Four episodes ago, which was uh, the one about was called Blunt, the one about the uh, marijuana dispensary, mm-hmm. it scored a 1.7. And had 9.47 million viewers. And we haven't broken those numbers since then. I was kind of hoping that this would be the episode to do it. But, um, you know, I thought we'd get some of the uh, Empire crowd. Oh, you know, our our favorite actress in Empire. Well, let's jump over here and see what that's, what's going on over there. But it just didn't seem to materialize. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. But, uh, well, how was your rating, though? I mean, there's the TV ratings, but then there's mm-hmm. our ratings. Well, our ratings are the only ones that matter, right? I, that's what I think, yeah. <laughs> My rating was nine hidden guns. The one, of course, referring to the one John pulled out of his ankle. Mm-hmm. Or not out of his ankle, but out of his ankle <laughs> holster. <laughs> he must have had some, you know, some little work done down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I gave it 10 steakout hot dogs. Yeah, steak, oh, yes. hot dog. Yeah, yeah. Nothing gave, more delicious than a steakout. Nothing. Hot dog. But you always eat, eat the finest of foods while on a steakout. Absolutely. But, you know, you don't have a knife and fork to work with. I I gave it a 10. I went there. 
Uh, okay. I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, and it's like, you know, this really was, you know, it was a good story. It uh-huh. was a, a good twist, a very good twist, you know, yep. and it knocked me off my, uh, my heels there. So I, I, I appreciate that kind, of, uh, that kind of a story. So I gave it, I went all the way. Boom. And I really, really liked it a lot. I mean, obviously a nine is not a low score. There is something that, that I'm hoping you can talk me off the ledge on that we'll talk <laughs> about when, when it gets to the appropriate time. All right. All right. Well, Karen, who was the Doug of this show last week, gave it 9.5 Phantom Heaters. Almost gave it a 10, but you know how difficult I am. And yes, we do. We do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we All do. Right. Vivek gave it nine Eaton First Editions, a little reference to bear there. Um, mm-hmm. He he had a little comment to that. He said, I read that so many people cried seeing this app. I wasn't pulling my, it wasn't pulling my strings as much as many happy returns, but it was almost there. I finally understood Reese's mentality and inner struggles for this. I thank the writers for creating a wonderful memory. So that's his reasoning for the nine. I liked it. I like that. Well, Zachary gave it nine Inception Dreams. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I see what you did there. I like that. Alex said nine water bottles for a stakeout. Mm-hmm. David gave it nine Lone Wolf Faux Detectives. Yes, we're seeing a trend here. Mm-hmm. Andrew J gave it nine and a half tissue boxes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Shark Watch gave it six inevitable cancellations. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that a little later. There's an yes. email to follow up on that. There That's is right. there is one. Um, Greg Proops fan said 11, 11. He turned it all the way up to 11, Conversations mm-hmm. with Carter. Andrew B. gave it nine pictures of loved ones. That's right. And Pam said she gave it seven cold cases. She was wondering where was the sun the whole time. He wasn't supposed to die for another seven hours and 45 minutes. It's, she thought he would have been smart enough to get those pills out of his system while the, uh, the would-be murderer was out dealing with, uh, with uh, Reese. But, yeah, I can understand that. So, basically... Hmm, so, if I may interrupt you here. Right uh, it sounds like Pam is... is I said there was a little thing I want you to talk me off the ledge on here, and I, I think Pam scored the episode down three points for for something very similarly to why I scored it down a full point. So that's nah, okay. a little clue to what we're, we'll be talking about. I got you. All right. Well, see, yeah. basically, it seems to me that this the ratings here generally fell into two camps: either you loved it, or you were Shark Watch. So there you go. You know. <laughs> All right, and then Pam's came in kind of late, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't as as uh, as difficult on the episode as uh, as uh, SW. Anyway, not not quite. All right, well, let's talk about it here. Our POI this week was Chase Patterson, who is a a cold case, not a cold case. Um, it's a suspect that Carter had investigated in a prior investigation that we had not previously seen. Right, I didn't recall seeing this case before right the family being murdered i don't think so i think uh, what you're going to make me do is look in pedia of interest while we're talking here and try mm, to figure out okay. uh, uh, if we have uh, actually seen this fellow before because i was wondering about that you know we didn't have car these were not flashbacks you know i was you know was thinking about and and heard you know people talking about the fact that these would be carter flashbacks. they weren't flashbacks or brand new uh brand new uh scenes but from the past mm-hmm I, yeah, I think everything we saw with Tarashi was brand new footage. There was some a little bit, just a little bit of discussion last week uh, as to are we going to get new footage or archive footage? And yeah, honestly, until somebody asked it, I thought, well, of course we're going to get new footage. And then, and then when they asked it, I thought, oh, I hadn't even thought about you know archive footage. So I was glad to see 
there was no archive footage as far as I could tell that we had with, with her. It was all, all Taraji and a lot of it. Yes, indeed. No, I think it was, yeah, all, it was, it was, it was great. I think she fell right back into the character and I haven't been watching, um, Empire, so I don't know what her character is like there, but she, it didn't, it didn't seem like she had been gone away at all. No, it was great. Can I tell you a weird dream? I'll make this as short as possible, but I promise you folks, it does tie into, to this podcast. Last night I got in late from podcast, uh, new media expo. So maybe that was it. Maybe I was tired from, you know, the, 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 the week of, of the conference. I, and, and maybe I was anticipating getting to finally watch POI today cause I didn't get to watch it while I was at the show. I don't know what was going on in my mind, but I had a dream that I'm driving along in my car and I'm in some small town, maybe the, maybe the town I grew up in. And I see this lady with two kids in the back in this small, like Dodge shadow car. I don't hear what a Dodge shadow looks like. It's an, you know, this so it's an older car and she's driving all over the place. And I don't know if she's drunk or if she's high or if she's on her cell phone. I can't t- quite tell what it is. She's weaving in all the way across lanes. She finally goes down this little tiny neighborhood road. That's kind of a gravel slash asphalt road like we had in this small town I grew up in. And she smashes through this chain link fence and into this house. Hmm. And I'm like, that's it. I'm calling 911. So I call 911. And then she pulls out from the house. And then she starts coming at me. And I'm like putting my car in reverse, like trying to do to back up and get out of her way. And I do. I avoid her. And I'm on, on, I'm on 911. And they're like, yeah, we're not really going to send anybody until like something <laughs> bigger happens. And I'm like, she's driving all over the road. And she's smashing into a house. Okay, so I keep following her. She smashes through another fence, and then she she cuts up through this other road real fast, and I lose her. I have to turn around and come back, and I lose her, completely lose her. Um, so I'm like just driving around trying to find her, and I don't know. At some point, I stop at this house, and it's like my house or something, and who shows up? Cookie. Cookie from Empire. <laughs> And she sees me and she's like, Daryl. And she comes running up to me, (laughs) not Taraji cookie. (laughs) And she gives me this big hug. And I tell her about this lady I just saw in the car and she goes all cookie. She's like, uh, uh, let's get in the car and go after her. And that's how the dream ended. Cookie and I are getting in the car to go get the lady who smashed through the fences and into the house with two kids in the back of her car. Oh, clearly what happened in Vegas didn't stay there. (laughs) I guess not. It's the craziest thing. I woke up and I'm like, I've never even watched Empire. I've seen, I've seen her, you know, uh, uh, like I saw her on Saturday Night Live a few weeks ago on other talk shows and stuff. So that's the only cookie I I know. I've seen her like parody it on Saturday Night Live. Oh, man. Yeah, that was the dream that I had. So there you go, folks. And uh, if you have any concerns, you know, just, you know, send some, you know, <laughs> send some nice little emails to Daryl's yeah. way. And, if we uh, have any dream interpreters out there, yes. feel free to email that in. Let's tell me what in the world <laughs> is going on with that. You need to watch more Empire. That's what it is. Yeah, yes. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this episode. Why? Uh, was oh, it Cookie? Oh, it was Taraji. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, where do you want to start? Oh, I don't. It seems like we start. Who knows where we start? Really, um, we do start with the with the quote unquote what they're you know kind of making you think is a flashback. And in my notes, I'm going here. This is the flashback. Then this happened. Mm-hmm. Then there's the mm-hmm. present. This happened. And then the flashback. And this happened. Oh man, alive! This is just. I have a feeling that the conversation is going to be as 
unorganized as my notes are, but let's hopefully we can, <laughs> let's hope we can stay yeah. on track here. It's a little hard to track through this episode for sure. I liked the reference to bear eating books because we have we've established that that gave us a little bit of a uh, a timing of it. I don't know when that was. I don't know what uh, that was. Clearly, uh, you know, last season or, or or so before, but but it would give us something of a general area to figure out where this came in. I went to PD of interest. They don't have uh, anything by Chase, uh, about Chase Master. Not okay. Chase Patterson until yeah. the uh, Chase Masterson. No, that was the Dabo girl on Deep Space Nine. Sorry. Chase Patterson. Uh, but the only place he ever shows up is uh, this episode. So there you go. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So uh, sitting on the stakeout and uh, there is, uh, you know, Fanny, Benny Valesco. I don't think I'm guessing this is a brand new thing uh, in trouble with HR. And uh, so, we, so we're yeah, back in the HR days. I'm sorry, Daryl. That's you know just the way they had to do it. Well, and I figured that if we were going to see Carter, we obviously knew it was going to be in some sort of flashback. So I figured it would be back in the old HR days. Uh, by the way, Bear first appeared in the episode "The Contingency," which was a season two episode. What number was this? Oh, episode one, season two, episode one. So yeah, this is right around. Wow, really, quite a ways ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was interesting to hear Carter talk about not you being used to being early to the homicide. You know, she, she had never quite been introduced, shall we say, to the machine. And this was it was still something, you know, clearly she was aware of Finch, you know. So mm-hmm. um, so I had to be a little ways down in episode two or season two because she had just come across, figured out who John Reese was at the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. So uh, to be buddy enough in understanding who Finch is would have been, you know, even a little farther down. But yeah, uh, it was great to kind of get back to that. It was like, you know, getting back into a, like, you know, uh, riding a bike you haven't done for a while or, you know, that sort of thing. It felt, it felt comfortable, except for the fact that, like we mentioned earlier, there was no, you were being watched intro. We are being watched. You know, the whole That's thing right. just jumped right into it. And, because this, a lot of this really was not from the machine's point of view. Uh, machine, the machine loses track of John uh, early on in his investigation. So there's really not much of a machine aspect to this whole episode. Now, I, I mentioned to uh, Karen on the uh, Facebook page where she, we, we had the, every, every week we have a little uh, thread where you can put in your uh, ratings and discuss the episode. And there are spoilers there. So if you haven't seen it, don't go there. You know, stay away. But... Um, I mentioned to her that, you know, I'm not really one of the shipper people, you know, the relationship stuff. And it does, mm-hmm. eh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more arc, you know, the, when the arc uh, story guys, but I like this one because it really did. It didn't give short shrift to John's issues. It really looked deep into them, uh, into his relationship that he thought he had with Carter. And as we find out, you know, later the, this Carter avatar, so to speak, is, Telling him, no, buddy, we really didn't, you know, get to connect like you thought we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great to have all of that. And you needed a, a, an episode to do that. I would not call this fluff. I would call this really good, really deep character development. This is one of the biggest John Reese character development episodes that we've ever seen. Uh, we got some right after Carter died, you know, when he goes off and, and you know, is, is not even thinking he's going to rejoin the team and all that stuff. We got some really good stuff then. We've seen some other stuff here and there. Karen and I were talking last week about what's going to happen with Iris 
Is it appropriate for him to to even bring her into the fold? Does he care for her like he does his previous girlfriend? I couldn't even think of the name Jessica at the time, which is so interesting because we get her front and center in a way mm-hmm. here in this episode. So, yeah, there's a lot of... This was a John Reese development episode. Are you fearful or, or concerned in any way that they gave us this as some sort of path to... to Foreshadowing his, his demise or something? Yeah, bringing him to a close. I think they want us to think that, um, and they did a good job of it. it. It could go that way, but I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to use this as a launching point for uh, for his relationship with Iris. I think that's mm-hmm. going to change uh, in a deep way for him from this point on. And so I think that that's, I think that's really ultimately where they're going to wind up going. I don't think that... Uh, now, they have done things where you take off, like with Carter, you you know taken out a... Uh, a, a main character and so they're not afraid to do that and it keeps you kind of off balance a little bit you know it's not, it's not like you know Kirk, Spock and McCoy are phaser proof bulletproof you know there's n- nothing that can happen to them but I, I, I still don't think that they will take uh, take out John I think he is I think his presence would be sorely missed mm-hmm. uh, but because uh, he's been there from the beginning and, and all that but I think that that at least that it gives us a it gives the writers a way to uh to have a reason to have him move towards Iris. Uh he's been kinda there, kinda there, kinda there, and this is just kinda shoving him off the cliff there. Yeah, do it. Well there was a scene last in last week's episode at the very, very beginning when they're in the gun range and, and Reese is trying to get Finch to to use the gun. Finch doesn't want to do it and he he told Finch, you know, I'm not gonna be around forever. And Karen and I had this discussion on what he meant by that. Did he mean that he's going to die eventually just because that's the nature of the the life he's living? Or was he trying to warn Finch that, you know, I I might want to retire from kneecapping people so that I can have some sort of normal life again. And Karen and I were, were had differing opinions on that. She was leaning more towards he felt like he was going to die. I was leaning more towards because he knew that having a relationship with Iris was not fair to her because of the danger that he would bring into her life, that he felt like he was going to have to withdraw himself from his current position in order to provide her safety. And this episode really kind of seemed to, to kind of go towards that, that end. Now, obviously it left him in a very wounded place. So it could go towards Karen's end as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, So there's still that mystery there, but I think his desire is to become a man where he can make himself vulnerable enough to have to share life and love with someone. Yeah, it, it it was the episode that maybe caused him to realize he needed that. He has, as he said to uh, Carter, was that people don't change, and he was afraid that he can't mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so whatever he has been doing up until this point has brought him to this point, and that's just the way I was going to be. It was not mm-hmm. there. There was no changing of your path one way, left or right. I do, and I don't remember the context now. But Carter did say at one point, don't let this change you, which is ironic because there are certain aspects of, of, uh, of John Reese that we don't want to change. You know, the, the detached, the lone wolf kind of thing, maybe that does need to change, you know, being, and, and, and actually at one point of it was one episode, golly, when Carter was still around, can't remember what it was now, mm-hmm. but at the beginning of it, she, she's going to go off and do her own thing. And Reese says, you've got friends, you know, call on us, you know, let us help you. And then at one point, at the, near the end of that episode, she says the same thing to him, or one way or the other. But they both said it to each other. 
mm-hmm. for you know for, for the for similar reasons. John never really took that to heart. Clearly, based on what we saw today. And yep, so I think, yeah, I forgot about that. That's great. That's a great point, Doug. That's when she was tracking down the guy that had killed. Um, help me out here. I'm, I had no idea. <laughs> mm, I've got a okay. mind like a steel. What you call it? Thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So there's there there has been this these kind of you know ideas dropped in that you need to hang you need to you know hang with your friends or at least you know be able to rely on them and don't go off you know half cocked all on your own mm-hmm. and uh so this is kind of thing that really brought the uh brought the point home yeah yeah a lot of great character development for sure in in this episode and and uh you know it, it's also another one of those episodes too that as we did last week and you posted the meme over there in the facebook group <laughs> last week that that had that bewildered look on Finch's face, and and then the words said that moment where all the pieces start coming together. All the season four threads just are coming together. Yeah. Well, this was in in a very in a much smaller way. This was still some of that because as as we've already talked about here, and we talked about last week, this this love interest story with John is now look. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna walk away from this episode. You know, episode for us, but episode of his life, mm-hmm. right? The same as he came into it. He's going to walk away a changed person, it seems. And so that, I think, is going to have a, a, a profound effect on his the direction he chooses with Iris one way or the other, whatever that may be. Um, so there's that, that. That's kind of been this thread throughout the season. We got just a little bit of a flash, of a, a mention, a little bit of uh, Elias and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, Dominique. So... I think that was our little cue that the, these guys are still on the table. These are pieces that still have some maneuvering left. At least I hope this wasn't the little little bitty bit, and that's all we get. There are only two episodes left. But uh, what do you think of just the little bitty bit we got of, of that storyline this week? I don't know. I just it almost felt like it was a, a way to put uh, Root and Finch and uh, you know and Fusco even. Uh, mm-hmm. In the show, so that they have their, uh, they appear in the right number of seasons to get the proper pay scale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was, I mean, but it was there. It was interesting. It just, to, yeah, like you said, I think it was just there to mention that yeah, we still know about these guys. They're not completely off the day because we have been away from them for quite some time. Uh, so that, so yeah, that B story was a lowercase B. It was not really, you know, it was not really a big, uh, a big factor in this. No, very, very little. The only scenes were, were the very be- not not the very beginning, but near the beginning. We see them at the crime scene. Uh, we see Root doing something with a scalpel <laughs> to try to get information out that of the guy. That can't be good. Yeah. Uh, that was about all there was to it, really. I yeah. yeah. There, was a, there well, was a time when Finch is talking. He's got Dominic and Elias up on his board, but that was about it. Well, and even the... The actual mur- the cold case uh, that uh, the Reese was working that Carter had dropped. That really was almost incidental, you know. It got us, got us to the cabin, you know. Got, mm-hmm. It put us in that position, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't remember what time it was, but um, it was before the bottom of the hour when uh, Reese was really in that situation. You know, he was, um, uh, you know, he was in the uh, in, in the zone where he might uh, might live or might die, the hypothermia and all that stuff. So, a, a lot of the episode was really just to get you. Well, not much of the episode was really to get you there, and then most of it was. Dealing with that situation and dealing mm-hmm. with his uh, his feelings and stuff like that, and getting him to open up. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The, so, the cold so. case was kind of cool and how it involved the POI. I mean, we did get to do, still play the game that we get to play most mm-hmm. weeks, and that is, is is he the, the Vic or the perp, right? Because we were still didn't know. Did he flee the country because he was trying to get away with a crime, or did he flee the country because he was trying to not have to go to, to jail for a crime he didn't commit? And so as the episode went on, did you have did you have kind of a, a gut feeling on whether or not he was guilty or, or not? I was kind of on his side a bit there. I mean, he made uh, mm-hmm. he made some sense, and uh, you know, it was, it was a a plausible alibi. So I thought that, um, uh, and then when, of course, when they talked about the uh, the DNA being a familial match, it was like, well, I don't know, maybe I, mm-hmm. I guess so. But um, but Carter, you know, Carter didn't believe that Chase had done it. So that th- th- I I tend to uh, you know agree with her her thoughts whatever what whatever they they might be i didn't i didn't know necessarily what they were uh based on i think some of that might have been gut instinct and you mm-hmm. know police uh you know your your spidey sense but uh so i so when carter didn't believe it i thought yeah that's got to be that's too easy yeah i i was tracking the, the same way i didn't see the twist of the half brother coming along that was that was a good as twist. the doorman now that was that that was cool that was cool. That's what it was. I was just about to ask you. Yes. Like, I know that we saw him somewhere else in the episode. And I only got to see the episode once this week. I do usually try to watch it twice, but okay. Well, no, I can't. I can't take credit for that. Oh yeah. Uh, Eric Mountain was the writer or one of the writers, and uh-huh. one of his tweets said that. So he 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 had tweeted, "Where did we see this guy before?" Something about opening a door. It's like, oh, okay, oh. all right, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, and that makes I'm so much sense. Obvious. How he got into the building and all that stuff. Okay, yeah. Oh, thank you, Doug. I couldn't <laughs> place it, and I didn't get a chance to go back and watch it. I was, okay. not, I was not gonna. I didn't get it either. So it was great. Thank you, Mr. Mountain. Appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay, so that's cool. So he put himself in. Into he he went after that job to to put himself in a position where he could try to commit the perfect crime. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting, too, that Gil, at one point, he says to Reese, he's obviously got the do- the drop on him there, he says, well, you know, when your number's up, well, you know the saying, you know, and that's, of mm-hmm. course, a, you know, uh, a little wink to the uh, the viewer, but it right. also gave us a little, is his number up? But it never, never came up, I would have thought. Now, now that I'm thinking, you know, hindsight 2020, all that biz, mm-hmm. is that if... If John was not going to survive this, his number would have come up. Or, now the other side of that would be, the machine didn't want to save him if he really was going to die and didn't bring his number up. That that would be scarier, perhaps. But uh, but his number, I, that might have been, now that just is just right now on top of my head here, maybe that was the writer saying, but his number didn't come up, so he's not going to die. Don't worry. Shall well, I? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. You know, I think at the end of the episode when we see the rescue lights showing up, I mean, that's all that we need to know that, I mean, he, you, you, as you said at the top of our show, he's, I mean, realistically, he should be hobbled for a little while. And we've seen that before. We've seen them stay hobbled for a little while after they've taken some some uh, massive wounds and stuff. So I, I think he'll probably be hobbled for a while, but he'll 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 be alive. He'll make it. This will be yeah, kind of a new a new area for him, a terra incognita, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I loved you know when they finally did give us the 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 revelation that this whole thing was a uh, a hallucination. Mm-hmm. It was great writing because it's like like you said, like 
the heater, turning up the mm-hmm. heater all the time. And they would, he wouldn't just hit the button. They would focus on it. You'd see the numbers go up and hold it. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, what's going on here? And, you know, obviously no intro, um, you know, things like that. It's like, oh, I should have seen it. I, I mean, it's not. There, there was, um, and I think I've mentioned this before on here, where uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who is a writer, mm-hmm. who is a main writer, uh, it was his concept for the uh, TV show Babylon 5, is one of the first uh, TV shows with an overarching arc story. Uh, he had had five years planned out uh, from beginning to end, and, you know, little things in between, incidental things in between, but he had it all planned out from beginning to end. And he said, uh, he used to write for... Murder, she wrote back in the day, Angela Lansbury and, uh, and that crowd. And mm-hmm. he would say, you would, you, what you tried to do was write it such that half the people watching knew who did it and half the people watching didn't, given the same set of, uh, of clues and stuff like that. And I, I like this. You know, I don't know how many people figured it out beforehand or not, but the clues were not you know, little red herrings, little, you know, like a, like a, a little speck on their shirt or a, a tick or, or some word. They said they were flat out in front of you, smacking you in the face yeah. with the clues. And it still didn't, you know, necessarily uh, make you uh, wake up to that. So that was impressive writing. Yeah. I knew that the, the thermostat button was a clue and still couldn't quite piece it together. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about... If you're ready, what happened in the cabin in the woods? Okay. You ready to talk about that? I'm ready to talk about that. Um, and I, I did love the storytelling, too, in, in terms of, like, this scene was a good example. There was another one when John is visiting the apartment and stuff like that, where we're seeing it through what Carter saw, and we're seeing it through what John is now experiencing. And even though what John is seeing with Carter in the car is an hallucination all in his mind. I still understand that what we saw with Carter in the, you know, the crime scene flashbacks, those are, those were true flashbacks, yeah. not hallucinations. Is that what you're understanding? I would, I well? would think so. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's what helped with the misdirection. Mm-hmm. It sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we believed they were sitting in a car on a stakeout in a flashback mm-hmm. and they weren't <laughs> the entire time <laughs> they weren't. So I guess that means Fusco never did bring them those hot dogs after all. Those were hallucinatory hot dogs. Well, but maybe he did, but mm-hmm. he just remembered that. But yeah. yeah, but he was remembering that in his hallucination. And that's the inception thing. That <laughs> <laughs> is, Yeah. By the way, the inception is the one movie I keep on my iPad at all times. So that oh, really? if I'm ever somewhere and, and need a movie to watch. Inception is my go-to movie. Very cool. So, okay, Reese gets to the cabin. He's trying to look for clues, and it turns out that our POI is there. And uh, I'm Chase. Chase is there. I couldn't think of his name. And then, of course, after they they get to talking, the half brother comes out, gets to jump on him, and shoots Reese. So, let me ask you, Doug. I'm a little bit confused here. When we see Reese bleeding like crazy on the side, you know, on, on his side, is is that where he got that wound or did or when he eventually killed the half brother, did the half brother get off a shot then that wounded Reese in the side? Because it looked to me because he has back to the brother, right? So I thought he got shot in the back of the shoulder, but oh, maybe yeah. he got and shot in the back of the side. And the and the and the blood he kept opening up was that he opened up his uh, the suit jacket. And Maybe it was, it was pouring down his his back and pooling there. I I was a little confused if well, he, he got and shot he was, once he or was twice. On his, he was on his stomach. That's true. When he when he fell down, 
Mm-hmm. Bullet went clean through. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't think it matters. I was just curious. It, it confused me. That's all. It was a dark night. I couldn't tell. Yes, it had been stormy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he makes Chase. The brother makes Chase take all the pills. They're going to take eight hours to kill him. Yeah, which, I would think I would uh, be able to kick in a gagging reflex at some point before man. eight hours. Uh, and he hour. seemed to like take the pills way too easy. Like, you want me to take these pills? Okay. Well, I'll I take was, these pills. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, either you shoot me or I'm going to die slowly taking these pills. Yeah. Shoot me. Fine. Shoot me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I dying thought, either way. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit weird that he would just so easily take these pills and not even offer any type of resistance whatsoever. Yeah, that was that um, was a little much. Now, the eight hours, to me, as soon as we heard they were, it was going to take eight, eight hours to kill him, I thought, okay, well, there's our out. He's not going to die right away, so we're going to, that's how he's eventually not going to die from this. But the thing that bugged me, and and uh, was it Pam also that, that scored it down? Um, that is... It, it was really confusing to me. So the whole turned out the whole time, everything we saw of him and Carter in the car was actually a hallucination brought on by him about to die. Not as much from blood loss as much from hypothermia, nearing nearing uh, to to die from hypothermia. So, meanwhile, uh, Chase is back in the cabin. The only danger to him is the drugs in his gut. So why didn't Reese go to the cabin where there was a roaring fire and oh. warm up there? I mean, I he still would have been out of cell phone range. Was there a roaring fire? There was a roaring fire. Yes. Oh, I didn't remember that. But either way, it would have been warmer than the car. Well, that's true. Um, he got out from the car. Well, he got to the car from where he was laying. So the question is, was one... Was the car that much closer than the cabin? Because he was laying right... I know the guy drug him, but I, th- I didn't think he drug him because he went right to the cabin to get the shovel. The shovel, yeah. So he was laying near the cabin when he pulled the ankle gun out. And then... So I'm just curious how he got into the car and why the car was a better option than the cabin and why I would have thought he would have parked the car near the cabin and why he didn't go back into the cabin if hyperthermia was his biggest risk. The blood loss is not going to be corrected necessarily, although maybe they could have used blankets or towels, or maybe there was a med kit or something, right? Mm-hmm. That that was really what bugged me the most. Was I love this hallucinogenic storytelling that they did, but the way that they got him into that state didn't seem very John-like. He would have been more... He would have been Practical. smarter to, to get himself out of that situation or, or found a better survival place. When the cabin is right there, I thought he would have ended up there. I I got to go with you there. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was not... Uh, I think the... I, I th- Like I said, the first portion, a couple of acts of the uh, episode were to get John into the car, into that situation, and then have the, the uh, existential and relationship conversation with himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yeah, it, it does look like some of that was kind of, uh, yeah, hand waved away. And then he goes to the car. Never mind. Right, right. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. So I, gra- I graded it down a whole point for that. It sounds like Pam, if if I understood her rating right, 
graded it down three points for that. And I think I'm probably being a little lenient by only grading it down one for that. But, but, but you know, maybe you're listening to the podcast and you're like, Daryl, you're so stupid. Here's what happened. Please write in, tell me how I've missed something because I'm, I'm a little bit confused on, on why he ended up in the car instead of the cabin. And maybe he thought, I can't get a cell reception in the cabin. My best bet is to get in the car and drive and go to get help. Yeah, and yeah, then once yeah. he got there, he found himself in a situation he couldn't get himself out of. But we don't know that for sure. And if we had been given some piece of dialogue and maybe that got cut, I don't know. That's where I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and there may have been some dialogue we didn't we didn't quite remember. I did. I wrote a lot down, but I didn't write all of it. Yeah, that's, that's for yeah. darn sure. Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, some of that conversation once he realizes that that Carter is a hallucination. We do get, you know, a little more, a little more honesty from him. Uh, well, and, and even not, not necessarily honesty. Some of it is, but some of it is like, you know, but on that stakeout, didn't we? No, you just cracked some jokes and whatnot. And, and it was, it was John really having to, uh, well, he was being truthful with himself, so to speak. Yeah, he was, mm-hmm. he had kind of misremembered or in his hallucination really thought that what he had done and talked about Carter with, in the hallucination really happened and she corrects him no i'm just a hallucination go away mm-hmm. and 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 once he has that that recognition then it made uh, it made the conversation even more uh, poignant because he's got to now realize that all these good intentions he's had and and some of that may have been uh guilt for having not having really moved that relationship along before just before she died you know until then one of the things and and well, i think some of the uh, feedback folks have uh, hit on this as well but i thought his his relationship with carter was a, a very close a very good working relationship a friend like you know finch basically you know so that the kiss that he gave her in that in the last in her last episode, mm-hmm. it seemed a little rushed. It seemed a little out of place. You know that there was no real, I don't know, build up to that. So that 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 was uh, this this fleshed that out a little more. It gave us more of a uh, uh, you know, some of his intentions that wish what things he wished he'd had done. You know, uh, regret for things he hadn't. So yeah, that, that that was good to to kind of fill that out. But I wish they would have filled that out a little little more before yeah. uh, before him kissing her in the middle of you know uh, you know a firefight, and uh, and and again maybe it was the firefight that you know brought that on. It brought that out. People do you know uh, uh, various things in, in stressful situations. They, they tend to be more um, impulsive. But yeah, again, just up until that point, it was a. I mean, it, it was almost as though he felt the same around her as he did with Fusco. You know, it just, they were just two people they were working with. So this was good to fill that out, but I would have liked a little more. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I had another thought too, and then I was I was listening to you. I didn't want to miss you, but miss any of it, and then I forgot my thought. Oh my goodness, I tend to do that. No, I'm not blaming you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, if I can't hold on to my own thought, that's my problem. Maybe it'll come back to me though. And then we have, you know, he finally comes to grips with uh, with the situation. Not that he is good with it, but that he has, he's finally been honest with himself. And mm-hmm. once he's honest with himself, then we see the light literally at the end of the driveway. Yeah. And we, I mean, could the episode have ended any other way than, than headlights shining on his face? Yeah. No, I don't, no. I don't think so. I think that was... That's how I saw it coming for for quite a while before, and I'm not disappointed in that. I just don't know how else 
it could have ended unless it was going to end in a cliffhanger. The only other ending was where were headlights coming. Yeah, now that would, have been, that would have been a cliffhanger. Oh, man. Is it, does yeah. he live or die? And it could have really honestly gone either way. Yeah. Well, it still could technically, but he'll, he'll live, I'm pretty sure. But do, do we, who was in the car? Was it a complete stranger that was happening along or was it, is it somebody we know? Uh, it's got to be one of our one of our characters. And I th- we have some folks with feedback that have uh, some ideas about it. They got to give us a couple of different ideas. But it, it, it's, it's, I'm glad they didn't bother with that because it really doesn't matter who it was. Mm-hmm. It's that he's going to come out of this and a, a different man. Right. I remember my thought, by the way, and that was just to point out that another clue that we had that something was amiss here is that photo of John and Jessica. Because we we saw him pull that out of the, the, the case evidence box, out of an envelope, out of a journal, and the envelope had John's name on it. So we saw him do that in real time. So for him to think that she gave him that photo on that stakeout was was wrong, and it was it was a clue for us that, that something was was missing. Of course, that was happening right. I think the reveal of that that he thought that she gave him the photo came. I think that came shortly or right around the same time. It was kind of revealed to us what was going on. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but anyway, she clearly didn't give him the photo. Uh, so for him to think that she gave him the photo means that these are not happening in the same quote-unquote timeline if you will yeah yeah. one one was completely imaginary and it's interesting too i and i'd heard this um they had a uh uh, just recently very recently uh uh, at the paley center they had a panel with the person of interest characters and the people who had seen that had already seen this episode Mm. and uh so one of the things they mentioned in there was the fact that uh, if you listen there was a net King Cole singing on the radio near the end there. And he's singing, uh, and they mentioned, I didn't know what it was, but they mentioned in the in the panel that it was called Happy New Year. And you hear a little bit of that about, you know, about a new year and that sort of thing. And, it's, and I think that, as the, things are closing off, uh, tends to tell us that this is Reese beginning something new. You know, like every new year people have resolutions, they're going to change. Well, this is kind of... Uh, John Reese's New Year. He's he's starting over. He's going to be a different man, and then I think that's going to we're going to see possibly some ramifications of that in the last couple of episodes. I would think so. Otherwise, waiting till next season might you know it might fade in our memories. So we need to see a little bit of that uh, in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, there definitely seem to be be turning a, a chapter with him, and these as as we've said the last several weeks, these pieces that they have been positioning on this chessboard all season. I think the I think the next two weeks I don't I think I don't know I think we'll I think we'll start seeing a lot of those lock into place next week like like I don't think it'll be just it all comes together right in the finale I I think it'll it'll be a a lot of them next week and then a lot more the week after but maybe that's just because I think there are so many things that they've been positioning that it's going to take two episodes to really make it all click but because i don't know only thing i know are episode titles for the next two weeks i haven't read episode synopsis or anything like that and so that's just my you know gut feeling on it one more thing about things we should have caught as we were going Uh along there and i and i and i remembered thinking that's kind of strange when 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 it was said but uh, barb in the chat room mentioned that carter while they were on the quote-unquote stakeout had said to John, he said, you can fool your police psychiatrist, but you can't fool me kind of thing. But he didn't have a psychiatrist back at the time when Carter was alive. Hmm. So that's another one of those things. It's like, 
slap you in the face there with this uh, with the something's that. wrong there. Yeah, I, I, I remember totally the line. Yeah. That. yeah. So good very good, stuff. Barb. Yes. Yeah. Great writing, great directing, great to see Taraji back, and uh, good stuff all the way around. I think, except for the one, the one thing I mentioned. Except the plot holes. Yes. Yeah, the plot hole. Plot hole, smart hole. All righty. Well, you know what? I think we're going to do some surveillance in the news. All right. I did a terrible job with surveillance in the news last week. I, I uh, You did all right, yeah. Uh, after I edited it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll fix it in post. There we go. That's right. Okay, this is this was sent in by Alex. I love all these things you've been sending me uh, as far as, and I got some more this week, and we've got two episodes left, and I've got a document full of these things, so I'm not going to be able to get to them all. Uh, but I th- thanks for sending them in. Keep sending them in. They, they are great stuff. I don't catch all of this. So, uh, uh, But thank you, Alex, for sending this was in, This one in. It's from a Wired, the Wired website. It's a New York cops used Stingray spy tool 46 times without a warrant. And the Stingray spy tool is one of those things that will grab your, that, that acts like sort of a a cell phone tower and a, a strong enough one that it pulls in, you know, it can ha- requests that all these other cell phones talk to it. it. It's strong enough that they'll pick it out and, and connect to it, and then you can find out where the person is and all that. Uh, the police department in Erie County, New York, fought hard to prevent the New York Civil Liberties Union from obtaining records about its use of a controversial surveillance tool known as Stingray. The reason why may be because of what the records show. The cops in that county, which includes the city of Buffalo, used the device 47 times since 2010, but only once sought and obtained a court order to do so. That revelation contradicts what the county sheriff said last year when he asserted the department only used the devices under, quote-unquote, judicial review. In the single case in which the police sought permission from a court, they asked for a court order rather than a warrant, which carries a higher burden of proof, the warrant does. And in their request, they mischaracterized the nature of the tool. And as you go into this... uh, this article a little more the uh nobody knows the nature of the tool uh, at least not anybody who's not using the tool so it's um it's one of those things that you gotta you know be careful about here that you know once again we've got um we've got you know government we've got police uh uh police forces that are using these ideas well this is going to help us say well that's nice but um they still need to follow i mean we we can pass all the laws we want in order to prevent, you know, people from abusing the, uh, the, the, the privileges we give them, the, you know, for example, uh, the government, you know, checking out people and where they are and, and what they're doing, that sort of thing. But if they don't follow those laws and if there's no way to hold them accountable to those laws, it's going to be, it's going to be abused. Power tends mm-hmm. to corrupt and absolute power tends to really screw you over. So. <laughs> that's that's what we got here. Is that how that saying goes? I, I'd heard it a little bit differently, sir, but I kind of like your version better. Sir Acton. Well, it's a paraphrase of Sir Acton. Yes. Uh huh. Absolute power really ha- gives you a bad day. Yeah. So yeah, they're not. So the link will be in the show notes, and um, as will and when, and we had one of the feedbackers uh, give us something here that I liked as well. So that'll be in there, and I'll I'll mention that a little later. But there you are. There's your feel good story of the day. Thank you. Very good. Feel good store of the day. Yes. Thank you for that, Doug. All right. What do you say? We get into some feedback. I say, yeah. 
All right. Well, let's get it kicked off with audio. We always start with audio, and it seems like that audio always comes in from Barb. And this week is no different. Take it away, Barb. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI epi, Terra Incognita. I'll give this epi 9.5 ghostly apparitions and runaway brides. This was a deep and meaningful opportunity for John to examine his life and admit why he pushes people away as he was approaching his possible death. It was interesting that he chose to do that in his hallucinating mind with Joss Carter and not with his former girlfriend, Jessica, or with Harold, or with his new potential love interest, Iris. I think this sets the stage for John to open himself up to showing his team that he truly cares for them and for him to have a life after the machine, and John will get his happy ending. I believe it was Fusco who pulled up in the car after going through the cold case file, perhaps with Harold and Root and Toe. This is an interesting twist because with that much blood loss and the hypothermia, John may be somewhat sidelined for the next few weeks, which could thrust Root and Fusco into key roles as they work to stop the looming street battle between Dominic and Elias. That makes me wonder where the machines will come into play. Perhaps we will end the season with parallel lines drawn, the battle of the two New York machines and the battle of the two AI machines, with Elias and our machine boxed into their own corners with no apparent way out. That would be an interesting cliffhanger. And our team trying to save both at the same time and perhaps forced into a choice. I think we were given a tantalizing hint when Harold said that the machine could only see premeditated acts of violence and not ones that appeared to be based on opportunity alone. Perhaps our machine didn't give our team the numbers of Dominic's men because Samaritan is now using its knowledge about the numbers to attempt to draw out our team by threatening Elias. Samaritan may have learned this because of Han and how our team tried to protect him. This potential street war could be no more than a giant trap with Samaritan moving the chess pieces. Anyway, that's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and wondering what was Root doing with that scalpel? <laughs> Indeed. Oh, that can't, it just can't be good. That's all I can say about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. couple of things. I, I liked her line, John will get his happy ending. Got Clearly, we have another Once Upon a Time fan. <laughs> okay. And Because uh, that's, that's a line from that. And also, oh, okay. the premeditated versus the crimes of opportunity. Yes, I... The fact that they, and I don't know if they've said it before, I, I I tend to think they might have, but I'm not sure exactly. But to bring that up here, I'm wondering if this street war will is is something that Samaritan is generating so as to create a crime of opportunity that it knows Elias or Dominic just can't resist. And so they will, they, they will, not, they will not have premeditated it. But Samaritan knows that they will do it simply mm-hmm. because they will have the opportunity. So, yeah, maybe that could be you know something where we we throw the machine off uh, off its kilter. Could be, yeah. I liked her feedback quite a bit. She didn't talk about Root in the wedding dress. We didn't either. It was such a, a short little scene, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a very um, a very unfortunate incident, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For all, she's still all. in the market. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Oh, I have no ideas. I'm happily married. <laughs> All righty. Same here, buddy. We'll just have to watch. Okay. Go ahead. Give Andrew Jeeves a shot. All right. Andrew Jeeves says, hi, Daryl and Doug. Hi. Th- <laughs> hi. 
This was a good episode as it built on a red herring which added excitement and leads to Reese's fateful injury, but it isn't the point. The intricate, purposeful structure interweaving Detective Carter's original investigation into the murder and Reese's present-day reopening of the case is effective because the episode hinges on an intimate reunion between the two. It doesn't come as a huge surprise that scenes featuring Carter are hallucinations instead of memories because audiences have been trained to read odd details like fluctuations in a car's temperature as indications that something about a storyline is off. Reese's hallucinations of Carter are used to explore his psychology. Reese's conversation with his hallucination of Carter is the climax or a climax to his psychological arc throughout the season and the series as a whole. I completely agree with that. No wonder Reese has been speaking fatalistically as of late, preparing Finch for the possibility that he may find himself on his own at some point was a creepy dose of foreshadowing. The true depth of Reese's pessimism is explored in his dialogue with Carter. Reese gets little joy out of saving people's lives. He does so because he feels the need to do penance and he can no longer see the point in straying from what he knows. If I can interrupt here, that is mm-hmm. a great line. That, that, that's, when I was reading this, is like that jumped out at me. He's not doing this, out of, he's not out of altruism. He's doing it because he thinks he needs to to make up for all the stuff he did in the CIA. I hadn't thought about that, and that is a great uh, observation. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not only that, but as we saw in this episode, the guilt that he feels for leaving Jessica, thinking he was saving her, but really, in reality, realizing it was more of a selfish move on his part, and it ended up costing her her life. And so he's got to feel just a tremendous weight for that, as, as we saw mm-hmm. revealed here. Uh, Okay, back to Andrew J. Um, Let's see here. Reese might experience some peace if he saw a light at the end of the tunnel, but unlike Carter, he can't imagine a normal retirement, as there's no retiring from the sights he's seen and the things he's done. Carter and Reese engage in a debate worthy of Finch and Root as to whether people can change or if people are destined to their fates. Carter's decision to pursue law enforcement despite her other choices may have led to her death, but she argues that change is possible based on the changes she's seen in John since they met. Reese doesn't see it that way, because the blinders blocking other people from his view have also blinded him to his real self. His self-imposed isolation has also deprived him of others' perspectives, stunting his development. Carter's last words to Reese were, Don't let this change you. The problem is, that it's difficult to change someone who's already numb. I started weeping during the moment when Reese realized that he had, in fact, not talked about Jessica with Carter. They had only somehow imagined or deluded himself into believing that he'd been more open with Carter than he had. The whole end game where Reese was in danger of dying out in the wilderness alone because he'd shut people out of his life was incredible. The end where a car is pulling up to Reese. My theory is that it is Fusco who comes to save him. Hope to hear from you, Andrew Jeeves. P.S. Uh, never mind, it's not related to the well, show. He, he ran across an article about uh, uh, the, an archive of all the documents uh, Edward Snowden oh, leaked. And the, that link will be the in the show notes. Yeah, that yeah. link will be in the show notes. Because uh, it's very interesting if you really do care about combing through all of that. 
Yeah, and then he sends me a note about my Oklahoma City Thunder not making the playoffs. <laughs> Let's have a moment of silence for that. Okay, it's enough. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, excellent, uh, excellent feedback, as as always. I, I think it was Fusco, too. I think Fusco's really, because he knew the cabin existed, he's really the only one that could have logically come to the rescue. I mean, Finch could have dug up some information knowing Finch the way he is, but I think it's most likely Fusco. Yes, absolutely. And again, again, I don't think it really matters who, but it it uh, it it could very well likely be that they can they can come up with some sort of story. But it's just that Reese lives. That's the big yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty. Okay. We talked about uh, Shark Watch a little earlier. They gave us six inevitable cancellations, which I might add is true of every single TV show on 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 right now. You know. That's true. Actually, when you think about it, at some point. They will be canceled. But anyway, uh, greetings, fanboys. Greetings. I'm giving this episode six inevitable cancellations. The character of Carter never should have been killed off. She added a dimension to POI that has yet to be replicated. The episode, this episode was a perfect example of the character dynamic that once existed, but that has been sacrificed to the battle of the machines. I prefer beating hearts. I'm going to add something here. I, I think what we have done is or what the writers have done, not we, because you know, we're just podcasters. But anyway, uh, I think what they did is they had that there, and, they've, they've, and that was you know middle of season three. They've used this time to move the story arc, the overarching myth you know, forward, but we are coming back to the beating hearts, if you will. Uh, that's what Iris has been all the way through season four. Not as much as, as Carter, but you need to let this grow organically. So anyway. Uh, Sharky goes on and says, I feel that the showrunners fired Taraji to make their way, make the way for their Catwoman, Shaw and Root, and didn't care what the fans thought. The result was the show lost millions in disgruntled viewers and dropped in the ratings. I will in- uh, interject here. I did take a look back just because I didn't, I couldn't find any historical information. So I was kind of going back on uh, TV by the numbers and going back and back and picking a week and looking at that. And it's true that, uh, in, I think it was like, uh, not uh, 2014, but uh, November 2013, that particular week, the week I was looking at, uh, Person of Interest had a 2.0 rating rather than, you know, 1.5, 1.7, that sort of thing, and had about 12 million viewers. So since then, you know, year and a half or so, we have lost, you know, some viewers. We're averaging around nine. That, but here's the thing. Nine, is, nine million viewers is something just about every other TV show on Thursday night would kill or seriously injure four. Kneecap. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, I, I yeah, this is one of those things where ratings tend to, and Empire has been a major, uh, uh, well, it's been a major thing in TV only because it has bucked that trend, but the trend is to get lower and lower and lower over time. And we've gone lower, yes, but slowly. Um, I don't know if specifically it was because Carter was gone, and maybe it was. But I don't think that that's um, necessarily the reason. Uh, and, I, and I don't think that POI has really suffered incredibly because of that. Because, like I said, we are still raking in the ratings that other uh, TV shows would love to have. Anyway. Yeah, I, I could throw in there, too. Cause I, I looked at it a little bit differently than you did. Over on Wikipedia, they track the viewers for each episode. They don't track the ratings. And so when she died, it was averaging right, right around 12, 12, 1, 12, 2, 12, 3, something like that, depending on you know, the week. 
And then after it, you know, the first week in January, 12-1, January uh, 14, 12-5, 12, 12-3, 12, 11, 10-6, 10, 10-9, 10, back up to 12-2, 11-4. So it's still kind of fluctuating between 10 and 12. And we're close to 10 now. It seems to me, and, and that's kind of where it tracked the rest of the season, somewhere between 10 and 12. So after she died, the back half of the season wasn't that big of a drop a little bit, and but not not immediately, you know. Uh, I think the bigger change in ratings has to do with the night of the week and time slot that it moved to, not uh, more, more the time slot than than actually losing. The, Season the four has Jocelyn. been hanging around nines a lot. Nine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, up nines almost. I think we hit ten a couple of times. So yeah, I mean, there was a definite change between three and four, but not right. But not uh, uh, the devil's. Uh, Oh, what was it called? The, uh, that the episode, devil's share. The devil's share. Yeah, not mm-hmm. th- that isn't necessarily the uh, the line. Right, I agree. Alrighty, continuing on. One main character was killed off, and the other, Reese, was robbed of a highly important and deep relationship slash friendship, the dynamic that formed a crucial part of the show. I agree, but I think that's coming back. The depth of that was never replaced by anything, and I would say it couldn't immediately because you have to build it up. Um, that, uh, by anything that could have come even close, as it is difficult to do so, uh, given the outstanding chemistry between the two. Instead, this heartfelt part of POI was replaced by a cold, rather cold Samaritan-centric narrative. What are they doing? Learning from it? No. Nolan is making jokes about doing the same thing with Reese, which can be compared to a suicide mission for the show. And to be honest, I don't want to see Reese die in the last episode of the series either. After all this... Talking, where would the surprise be in that, Mr. Nolan? Rather, there should be a movie with these fantastic characters. That would be cool. I like that idea. I also don't believe Nolan's BS that they planned it so far back. I think it was an attempt at a ratings boost, which explained the odd timing. Nolan was desperate and had to do something fast, but the only time Taraji was available to come back on POI was only in February. So for his sake, CBS will be looking at how these last three episodes will do ratings-wise and probably decide to cancel it. Shark Watch. I again, I there are so many TV shows that would love these numbers that mm-hmm. I really do not think it is going to be canceled uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Not even, at all. Yeah, even if it's, I think there's zero chance of it being canceled ever. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I like, and like I said, when when you we've a couple of things: the death of Carter puts the viewers um, back on their heels and gets them to realize that nobody is expendable. Anybody could die at any moment. So it's not, like I said, it's not uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy who will never die ever in in their lives. Uh, Number two, I don't think after getting rid of Carter, you could bring somebody back in and pick that right up. You have to build it. This show has been very good at doing something like that. The relationship between Harold and Root has really uh, taken a long time to evolve. They got to where they are, not overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they don't do things, you know, snap of the fingers and poof, there it is. It's got to be, it's got to happen as it would happen. And I like that about this this show. So I don't don't think they could have uh, done that. And so what they've done is this season, they have started bringing in Iris and making that a... uh, uh, building that up slowly, slowly, slowly. I think that's ultimately where this is this is leading, and we'll get that back. What you've been asking for is that you will get that back. So, yeah, I'd also add too that I, I mean, I guess technically, when a character gets killed off a show, you could say that they're fired because they're not on that; they don't have that job anymore. But she wasn't fired. She, uh, it was, it was, it was something that was worked out, and and she knew Taraji didn't plan on staying 
on the show for for a long time. I didn't know that until she was killed, and there were some articles and some interviews that were that were done with her, and she made it clear that 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 was their plan was for that to happen. Yeah, at some point, you know, she wasn't long for the show. You know, when she you know, she got two and a half seasons, so um, that might have been shorter than some expected or or whatever. But she wasn't ever intended to be. A, a long, long-standing show. She had stuff that she wanted to do. Empire is an example of that. Some movies are other examples, and so she wasn't fired. It was very much a a planned thing. It was. It was uh, th- there was a good relationship throughout the entire course. When she left the the show, there it was on good terms. So that's it's not accurate to say that she was fired and uh shark watch says lps there's an article that backs me and my group's view up on taraji's firing with the cbs exec and and, and i don't really think it backs it up i think the cbs exec was like wait a minute nolan you're gonna do what you, if it ain't broke don't fix it but nolan basically said look we've gotten comfortable we've gotten too comfortable this group is just you know it needs to be it needs to have a you know a, a gut punch basically yeah. um so th- i think that was the uh and, and the 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 entertainment president Nina Tassler uh, loved the idea, and so they went ahead and did that. You know, so I, I, I think that's I think we're being a little too harsh. Uh, well, not we, you are being a little too harsh, and I understand some of your points, and they do. You're making good points, but at the same time, I don't think it. I think the I don't think the uh, the intentions behind it are what you think they are. Alrighty, I off concur. my soapbox. Excuse me here. All right, Hemset. All right, well, I'm going to jump on the Greg Proops fans soapbox and read his email. Uh, Greg, Greg Proops fan. That's hard for me to say, Greg Proops Say that fan. fast. I always want to say Greg Poops, and that's just, that's not the same thing. No, 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 no. He's funny. I like Greg Proops. Okay, here's what he says. Here's what Greg Proops fan says. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if, if, if Greg Proops was actually writing to us. Yeah. Hey, Greg Proops could come join us on the live show. I'm sure he would be a lot more entertaining than you and I are. Well, you got a point um, there. Although we would never be able to figure out whose line it is. No. And we would just sit here and... Welcome to Person Interest Podcast, where the points don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> Everything's right. made up, and the plot lines don't matter. <laughs> All right. He says, I like this episode, especially the twists and inconsistencies that made us question what's really going on during the episode. There were a few clues I could not believe I missed when watching the first time that something was not right. One was during the stakeout scenes, the usual machine timeline and date stamps mm-hmm. are missing. Reese constantly turning up the heat in the car hints that something weird is happening during the stakeout. Anyways, hope to hear from you guys. Greg Proops fan. And then he says, P.S. I found an article that talks about the Snowden interview. And I think, is this the same one that was mentioned earlier? Is this yes, the, uh, the Oliver, the, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, John Oliver. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched that after you and, uh, and Karen had mentioned it and it was very good. I mean, yes, it was, it was funny and it was, it was not safe for work, but, uh, right. <laughs> but, and he made a good point where, and the thing he, that uh, Greg Proops fan uh, linked it to was, was a, uh, an article in First Look or The Intercept is, I guess, is the name of the, uh, the, the specific section of that. And it's basically, this is not something that you should uh, expect that people would would know about because very few people uh, even, are even aware of you know I, one of the one of the jeopardy. I remember hearing about this on uh, oh golly years ago. One of the uh, most incorrectly answered questions back in the day was you know name the vice president of the United States, and people would not get it right. You know, so mm-hmm. you know it, it, politics just and and and, and the, the Snowden issue is is basically a political. Uh, political situation it, it's it's a surveillance thing but it's politics mostly and so 
you know, how many people know their 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 own senator, you know, or their you know, their district congressman? Well, they don't know Snowden, so that's that's nothing really uh, really surprising. And their congressman has more of an effect on their life than Snowden did. So there you go. All righty. Anyway, but thanks for the link there. Yep, indeed. And for Andrew, Andrew says. Terra Incognita was really well done. Artistically, one of the strongest episodes of the season, or quite possibly of the series, and one that will give me more to ponder in my next full series viewing. The car scenes take over the framing role normally played by the machine or Samaritan and help to symbolize John's isolation, as vehicles have been used many times on the show for private interactions. Pretty much everything about the way the episode is structured makes sense, especially the fact that it's so firmly centered on Reese. It reflects his tendency to shut people out. I guess even other characters in the show here. Even feeling a little confused about some details is fitting because Reese is confused himself. There's great use of both foreshadowing and reflection, a play on time that perhaps underlines this focus on Reese, where he is where he is now and where he might be going. The twists play off the show's precedent for flashbacks and for those not always heralded by the machine, as in Mission Creep and Bad Code, a couple of previous episodes. Chase Patterson's story to Carter is poignantly written and acted, and the lack of resolution Chase feels about his mother parallels Reese's own about Jessica and, as it turns out, Carter. Gill's part seems like the least developed aspect of the episode, and I can't help but feel a loss of intensity when he's revealed and explains his side to Chase. I think it's appropriate that this episode comes out now. After a season of having to be a more normal person on top of an alias, which the machine makes clear in one of the few POV shots, he's talking about when you see him turn the corner down the road and it's going out of the uh, machine's uh, view, and Mm -hmm. he says, alias, colon, John Reese, so... We're we're still we're just kind of pushed along with the idea that this is an alias. We really don't really don't know who he is. Um, after the death in the family, and after Reese starts opening up to Iris, he looks deeper into himself through his connection with Carter. The culmination of what Reese has done and been through over the course of season four reveals a subtle triumph for the season that Reese has gotten some serious development as a byproduct of the situation created by the larger story, even though he didn't factor into it as much as Root and Finch do. And speaking of the AI war, the next episode seems like it will be insane, pun intended. And if you hang in here for the spoiler section, you'll see why that's a pun. But yes, I think that, um, I agree with that, Andrew, that that season four is, Reese has been building and building and building. Where he is now is because of the death of Carter. And he has now, you know, this has forced him to into a place, into terra incognita, dealing with his own feelings, dealing with his guilt. And so, yes, I, uh, I totally agree, man. Yeah, good stuff as always. I, I love the insight that we get from, from our, our listeners. And you guys bring so much value to our podcast. Great, great stuff. If it weren't for their insight, we'd have no sight at all. Yes, indeed. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was going to say indeed, and then you I realized you had just said indeed. And I probably shouldn't say it. So I'll just say yes. Yes. That's all I have to say. Other than to say, you should send us in your feedback about next week's episode. We're going to give you a preview of that here in just a moment. You can give us your feedback by calling 304 837 2278. You can also go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. There you'll find a form where you can type out your contribution, you can upload an audio file. Or if those don't work for you, our SpeakPipe widget is also found over there. You can use your phone or your computer's microphone to record 
your contribution, your phone, if you have the SpeakPipe widget. It makes it really, really easy. So all kinds of good stuff. Uh, no again, excuses. No Media. excuses. Get in here. That's right. GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash feedback. Also, join us on Twitter, and that is POI Podcast GSM. Join us on Facebook, and that is Facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM. All kinds of ways to hang out with us and join the conversation with us and other awesome POI fans. And when we record this at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock on uh, Thursday evenings, 8 o'clock Eastern on Thursday evenings, you can come to goldenspiralmedia.com slash live or live and you can uh, be in the chat room and watch live video of us making fools of ourselves. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. That's over. Did you get the web address on that? I did. Okay, I was reading the chat room, so I, I might have missed. Uh, well, you see, there you go. There's yeah. so much fun stuff going on. You get I did. There. Well, I threw out my old Warchester joke that I used to use in Fringe all the time, and I was, I was just trying to see what kind of reaction I used to get out of there. <laughs> Thank you very yeah. much. All right. Hey, there it is. Finally got one. <laughs> well, Doug, tell us about next week, the penultimate episode no. to season four. No, not next week. Oh, that's right. Oh, man, we got to go another week without knowing what's going. See, and if they had not shown the lights at the end of the driveway, we would have really been going Uh for two weeks. Uh But anyway, okay, here we are. What do we got here? It's called Asylum. There you are. Thank you. That's why Andrew called it insane. Mm -hmm. Reese and Fusco get caught in the war. So Reese is apparently back in, in service here. Reese and Fusco get caught in the war between the two newest POIs, rival crime bosses Elias and Dominic. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that for sure. That's awesome. Also, a tantalizing clue to Shaw's whereabouts lead Finch and Root into a possible trap. It's a trap! It's a trap, it's a trap. And Control goes rogue to undercover the true intentions of the Samaritan program. This is going to be big. Yes, indeedy. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Now, when I said earlier where I thought it was going to take two episodes to put all these pieces together, that seems to have been accurate. It would take two two episodes, but we're jamming them together anyway. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got the usual uh, cast of characters, plus we got Elias and Greer and Control. And Dominic and Martine and all. And, oh, and as guest cast, John Preston as admitting physician. So look for him. <laughs> What's he going to be admitting to? That's the question. <laughs> Thank you. All hey, right. you know, if Root shows up with that scalpel or gets a hold of his, <laughs> there's no telling what she'll get him to Stand admit. Stand back. Oh, no. <laughs> It will be written by Andy Callahan. Well, it was written. It's already been written, I guess, by Andy Callahan and Denise Tay and directed by Fred. You are a Toya. Alrighty. A Toya. You are a Toya. An Italian toy. Thank you. Yes. Can't wait, but we have to wait two weeks anyway. Should be awesome. And then that's it. There's there are no more breaks. I mean, there's only two episodes left, so we will get the final two episodes back to back, but there is a one-week break before we get the two-week back-to-back. That makes sense? Something like that. All right. Well, join us for that. We'll have the live show again Thursday night. And not next week, of course, since there's no POI, but the following week. When when it's back, we're here Thursday nights, 8 o'clock Eastern, as Doug said. com slash live. Look forward to having you as a part of it. Thanks for tuning into our podcast this week. And until next time, I'm Daryl, and I'm going to go make sure that my family knows where I am. <laughs> and I'm Doug, saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit 
or a hallucination of an NYPD detective watching over you.